Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Puckheads, presented by Beerly Sports. I'm your host, Phil Razor, and tonight I'm with the alone Aaron Kinney, because unfortunately, our dear friend and colleague, Nate McBride, is attending to a family matter. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. We appreciate if all the listeners um, would send uh, all of your love, thoughts, prayers, vibes, whatever you believe in, uh, over to the McBride family and his extended family uh, at this time. But we are here to discuss the first week of the NHL season. But before we get there, Aaron, how are we doing tonight, my friend? And what are we drinking? Dude, I am doing so much better now that I'm sitting here talking to you, drinking a little uh, Blanton's, just taking the Woo! edge off. It has been a grind of a fucking week, let me tell you. Uh, at least we have hockey to fall back on, though. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I'm feeling pretty, pretty burnt out right now, but we're we're still alive. We're still here. Uh, we're still doing it. How about you, buddy? What are you, what are you getting into? Hey, I'm good, man. On this beautiful Wednesday evening, I have Canada's finest. Mm. Oh, it's, bl- it's blurred. It's blurred. Blurred background. Uh, blue light. Ah. What's back there you, that you don't want me to see, dude? You got some oh. uh, Peruvian whores back there? Buddy, if you have to ask, you just can't afford it. Mm. What is that, coffee? You're an animal. Dude, I, I'm i going to be on the ground if I don't finish this coffee here shortly. It's <laughs> coffee. Like, I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> I can't Co- explain it. Our Canadian listeners are like, yeah, coffee and bourbon. That's every every 5.30 a.m. at the rink after a Timmy's run when you got to watch the U9s. Oh, yeah. Dude, no no two play, flavor profiles pair together like this stuff. Let me tell you right now. Oh, Fine quality on the both roasts, and it's just, yeah, chef's kiss. Hey, I know it's barely hockey, but I support bourbon every time. I know Trev from Beerly Football. Go give them a listen if you're a football fan. I know he does a lot of wine Wednesdays down there in Florida. I'm like, dude, it's too hot to drink wine. Like, oh, you, drink- <laughs> you got to drink that chilled wine. Hey, dude, he's got to be drink. I mean, he sends me Snapchats and shit, and he's like, oh, man, we're a bottle of wine deep. But I'm like, dude. It's- what kind of wine is he drinking, though? Is it like champagne no, on like- ice, or is it no, like fucking like Merlot's? Ca- it's like Cab Sauv. Damn, bro. He's, I mean, I guess like, yeah, it's kind of relaxing, but I mean, I'd be, I would be so dehydrated and just throwing up pure red from that stuff. If I was out in the heat. Like I, I, I can't. Could you imagine sitting in a tiki bar, just gas and wine? Uh, not for very long. No, no, exactly. I want to cold it would be beer. over. I want a cold beer and a shot of something. That's what I want. Yeah. Speaking of cold beer, I do have a little sidecar here too. Old Bush light. The, yeah, a little sidecar, little, little yeah. boilermaker action. I feel it. I feel it. It's one of those nights. No, Can't wait to see day. what my accounting homework looks like tomorrow morning after this. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's a Wednesday night. Everybody starts to get a burr up their ass by Wednesday, so you got to pick Wednesday or Thursday. Friday night for a lot of people, depending on how old you are, tends to be the uh, stay home and order pizza night for a lot of people, especially at our mm-hmm. age. We're you know you're almost thirty. I'll be thirty two yeah. soon. So you know, yeah. Like once me, you get. Once you get beyond like the 25, 26, it's just like a nice, okay, been a long week. Let's let's recharge a little bit before a wild day tomorrow and then just yes. crank it up on Saturday. Oh, dude. And like, yeah, Saturday's always a, a crazy one. For me this Saturday, I got 7.30 a.m. Liverpool and then noon Ohio State, Penn State. So I'll be, you know, banged up by 4 p.m. properly waffled. So, oh, yeah. Um, dude, you know. So hold on. One, one more thing about Saturday. So. Yeah. My uh, my dad, he holds a uh, a golf outing every fall at his five acre plot of land that he's built this like impromptu golf course on. It's an absolute blast. Like 
everyone all of his old softball buddies come out and like we actually like bet money on it and it's he has like prizes and stuff it's, it's insane but he plans this thing like months and months in advance and it was supposed to be for this saturday and everyone pulled out this week like we had 20 people and there were like five people they're like sorry dude like penn state ohio state and it might not be the nicest weather and so he texted me today he's like i've decided to cancel the golf outing no one's coming and i just felt like this my heart sank for him because I know how much he gets up for these things, but also it's like now he gets to just kick back and watch the game. So and everything's mean, all right. Nobody expected that to be a noon game. It's always a night game. Yeah, it, it's so, always a night game. It makes no yeah. sense. But it's always regardless, yeah. shout out to Mark and his, his golf outing is no more. Yo, pour one out for Mark Kenny when you're listening at home during this. Um, I will say too, by the way, uh just you know, kind of talk about it because it's kind of a good, um, I guess, precursor. We will be talking about start times in the NHL tonight and how they fuck with players and teams and those oh, who yeah. gamble in states where it's legal. We will be getting into that. So that was a very good uh, little piece of foreshadowing there, Mr. Kenny. Um, oh, yeah. Let's start off with the, uh, you know, the hot news of last week, right? Here he is. He's here. Connor Bedard. He's here. He's playing. He has, you know, he's been lighting up the league. First game, man. I thought it was cool. Um, Kelly Sutherland goes out there and, you know, welcome Sid back for another season. And then, you know, Connor, you know, welcome to the league. And I thought that was just a great way. They kind of bought into the pageantry a little bit. I thought it was good on the NHL to kind of do that. We need more West McCauley's and less hard asses. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, I do think it's a little funny how like it, this never used to happen because right? he said it on the mic, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like last year, you have uh, actually how long does ESPN have the contract? It was when ESPN got the contract. They always have like opening night on a Tuesday now when it used to be either a Wednesday or Thursday. Mm -hmm. And they always have the official go out and do like the announcement. All right. Welcome to the 20, whatever NHL season. And everyone just always roasts it. Cause it's, it's so cheesy. Like Disney's just forcing it. But I did think that was kind of a cool little touch, but uh, it almost cheapens it in my opinion because he's like announcing it to the crowd and everything and it's like it's he's clearly doing it like in a performative way i think it'd be way cooler if he just kind of pulled him aside on their own like you know or like at the face off but not into the mic i don't know it, it, that might just be like the old grumpy no. hockey man in me but i, I think it, it means is. a lot more i think it means it a lot is. more to him if if i'm Connor bedard he's like announcing to the crowd welcome to the league I'm, it means more to me if he's like coming up to me in the corner, like, hey, welcome to the league. Like, good luck. Like, that feels genuine. Him announcing it, it just feels like pageantry, in my opinion. It, 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 it absolutely was. It, it was a performative gesture, but I have no no qualms with it. I have no problem with it. I think the NHL needs a little bit of flair. I think that's what kind of brings them above baseball at some point will be the flair, yeah. you know, and, and the drama and things like that. I don't have a problem leaning into some of it. And we'll get to some drama in a little bit, too. But I will say the one thing I do like is like Wes McCauley's his announcements on like whether it's a goal or no goal or like any kind of review. That's the kind of flair I like. That's genuine yeah. in the moment. Like that's that gets it's me good. going. Gets the people going. Gets a little bricked up. People are saying, "Oh yeah, oh, no. just a little I don't bit. know, just a little, just a little bit, a little, little half chub there." Um, I uh, wanted to talk about Bedard's first game, right? So you know he goes out there. You know, night one, first of all, the Blackhawks take down the Penguins 4-2. And nobody had that one. Betters everywhere, <laughs> furious, right? And well, I will say it, in a throwback to the game that knocked the Penguins out of the playoff race last year, it was only fitting for him to lose the first game of the season in similar fashion to the same is, team. That is very, very true. 
Um, you know, Connor got an assist in that game. That was great. The one thing I've noticed in him, and, you know, we'll get to his goal, and we'll get to, you know, three points in four games. He's had some good numbers so far, kind of what we expected, you know. A goal, yeah. every four, a goal every four games puts him at 20 this year. I know that's an under on his season total, but mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the day, 20 is an 18-year-old. I mean, Christ, that's a phenomenal season. Yeah, um, I think the yeah. hype the hype is, like, making people think he's not as good as he is because everyone was like, this kid's the next coming of Wayne Gretzky, and, like, he very well could be, but, I mean – when you look at Austin Matthews pounding four in his season debut and his NHL debut, and then everyone's comparing Bedard to that, that's just not a fair thing to do. It's like Austin, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews has been built like a man since he came into the league. Connor Bedard looks like a child out there playing hockey professionally, yeah. and not in skill like a child in in physical stature. He 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 has twenty pounds to put on in the next two to three years easily. Yeah, you know, and even if he doesn't, he's still going to be a threat because. Like, uh, well, I'll let you go into your points first because I know you were really deep into this game, and then I'll let you know what I saw. Sure. So, you know, the I'll, I'll do. I'll cover the first two games, right? Like, I, I caught the highlights of, of his last two, but I watched the first two in full. Um, obviously, their their win over the Pens, and then they had a three one loss. Like, dude, your, your you know your first road game is in Pittsburgh against Sid, then you got to go to Boston, and that ravenous, just emaciated crowd after last season. They're starving for hockey there, and you got to go to TD Garden. Like, that was brutal. But he had a beautiful wraparound goal on Linus Hallmark. I mean, Linus didn't get over anywhere near in time. It was definitely a goal that he probably saves game 30 of the year when he's in a groove. You know, game, I think that game, was on Connor, though. I I, I think he fooled oh, him. Beat, oh, Connor beat him to the punch. Absolutely. Well, n- not even that. I think the reason he didn't get over is because Connor did such a shifty little move behind the net. I think yeah. everyone thought he was spinning and coming out the other side. So that's – Yeah. Yeah, That that's – this kid's hockey sense and his shiftiness is unreal. My only complaint about Bernard so far, not production, not leadership. Like, he's clearly going to be a captain at 19 or 20. That's not a secret. For me, it's he, so there are times where he looks like Bambi on the ice. He can't stay on his feet. And yeah, I, I, I expected him to get thrown, you know, thrown around a little bit. There's going to be a lot of defensemen that will go in there 10, 15 years older than him. They might ragdoll him into the boards a little bit, throw him around like, hey, kid, welcome to the NHL. I think there's yeah. an overall sense of respect for him because – I think players know he didn't ask for the hype. He's just playing the game. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. He's not a cocky kid. You know, mm-hmm. he was so appreciative of that one-on-one. He came off very sincere and appreciative of the interview with Sid. Um, yeah. You know, that was that was released before the game, obviously. Um, for me, uh, you know, there are times where he's not even touched and he's going down. And I'm like, I think the moment might, might it might be all sinking in on him a little bit. And it's not going to be him forever. It may not be him in November. But I think there's times right now where he's going too fast for himself combined with the physicality, you know, trying to cut through the crease, getting, you know, hip checked by a guy, you know, going mm-hmm. down. He's not going down to draw a penalty or anything. I've seen people accuse him of diving. He's not diving. He's just an eight. He's 18 and like what? 65, 70 days old. He, yeah. he, you know, he's barely been able to vote and he's in the NHL. So that's my only thing is I want to, you know, I can't wait for him to get that. I want to say like sense of balance, but like find his equilibrium in the NHL and be able to just deliver, you know what I mean? Like deliver himself the, you know, up to his skill level, you know, you know, for his 60 minutes. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I get what you're saying there. I think a lot of this, so he's really the only major threat on the Blackhawks. So everyone's keying on him and it's, it's not like you're like, Oh, let's go rough this kid up or anything, but it's just like, 
they know that the only way the Blackhawks are doing something is if he gets going. Although they did produce pretty nice in Toronto the other night without him really doing much. Yeah, but they, they the way that you have to defend a kid like him, he's so shifty, he's so deceptive. You've just got to use your reach and get physical with him and throw him off any way that you can. So it's, you're not going to see him get poke checked or like embarrassed turnover or anything like that. You're going to see people just body him because that's the only advantage they have over them is their size. Um, that's true. Touching on the size too, I I do think it's a little bit ironic that like this kid coming up, all we ever heard about was how nasty his shot was, like craziest release of all time. And his only goal is a wraparound where he's not even releasing the puck. He's, he's just yeah. in tight. But he is hammering pucks, man. He's taken so many shots. Mm -hmm. And it's every one of them is just a little bit off because he doesn't have the space that he did in juniors. That's the big thing I've noticed. You, you see him go in, and he's got an idea in his head. He's forcing the D to react to him. He's creating. But the NHL D just have a little bit more range. They have a little bit more play reading ability and they they're just a step quicker to he still gets shots off he still creates chances but they're just a little bit more hampered than they were in juniors and we've already seen him adjust a little bit to it like from that first game to the second game you saw him coming in taking a little bit different angles at guys or like dragging the puck a little differently before he shoots it so i think here in the next maybe five or ten games we're going to see him pot like three or four of those nasty wrist shots as soon as he finds some way to create space against these guys. Let's also yeah. not forget, he starts off against Pittsburgh. They've got big mobile D and very responsible centermen. Then he goes to Boston, where you have the mammoth of all mammoth D there. I mean, the, their defense core is so good in their own zone. It's it's impossible to get anything through them. And then you have Toronto, which, you know, you know how they play. High speed, high pace. They ended up winning that game, but he still didn't produce a ton. Uh, the schedule is going to get soft warm here before long where he's going to find some guys he can expose. Yeah. I'm really excited to watch him play against teams in the central. Like, you know, when he goes up against a team like St. Louis, he goes up yeah. against, the you know, uh, you know, other teams like Winnipeg, there are teams that have, you know, they're, they, I mean, these are national hockey league defensemen. They're all good, but are they all exponentially better than what he was facing with the Regina Pats? Exponentially better. Maybe not significantly better. Yes. But you know, we're not talking about a team full of Zanetta Charas. And, you know, Chris Chelios and guys of that like Scott Stevens, he's not facing those on a night in night out basis in the central. So when he gets into his division play, I think we'll see him start to rack up those goals. And that 25 to 30 range will be very possible, uh, yeah. you know, for, for Connor as the year goes along. Um, I did have one funny stat for the listeners just to give you an idea of what that opening draw in that game against Sidney Crosby. Connor Bedard was born in July of 2005. Sidney Crosby made his NHL debut in October of 2005. <laughs> so. That's he just, just barely a, made it in before Sid hit the ice. Exactly. So that's, you know, one of those things that I thought was kind of wild. Um, I did want to touch on this too. It's not Blackhawks related. And, and they've had a great start to the season. You know, Blackhawks fans, maybe you're not going to be in a lottery pick next year. You know, I had you finishing seventh uh, in the Central, which is obviously not probably going to be a lottery pick. Um, they'd be much more happy to give that to someone else. Um, but I, I did want to say that uh, out of every – First round draft pick so far, only three have made their NHL debut. And it's Connor Bedard, who has three points in four games. It's Adam Fantilli, who had an assist in his third shift for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He hasn't had a point since, but you know, he's been improving at you know night in and night out, uh, despite the team's up and down play. And then you also have Zach Benson up in uh Buffalo, who has you know two points in three games. And 
you know, you're kind of looking at it. The Sabres have, you know, kind of stumbled out of the gate, although they got a big win uh, in overtime earlier this week. But, you know, they got throttled by, the, you know, the Rangers on opening night, which I don't think anybody's super surprised by that. Uh, yeah. You know, that Rangers team is filthy. Um, we love the Sabres, but I just thought it was interesting. You know, I didn't do any, any numbers on this. So if you're out there listening and you, you can tell us this, that would be great, uh, at Beerly Hockey on Twitter. Um, when was the last time we've had this few guys, this few amount, not this few guys, that sounds really uneducated. This small of an amount of first-round picks having made their NHL debut through the first week of the season. Like, I feel like three is low. Because, like, we haven't I, seen Carl, we haven't seen Carlson yet. Carlson's like the one that's, that... Yeah, that's the one that surprised me he didn't come. I yeah. feel like three's kind of par for the course. So, I mean, it, it really is rare that you see 18-year-olds in the league. I mean, it is. It, it's gotten... Here recently, we've seen maybe a little bit of an uptick on it, but normally, man, those guys are all going either back to juniors or down to the AHL to cook at least for a year, and it's yeah. or or college. And I I think yeah or college as well. the The thing that I'm wondering about is like I wonder if we're getting to the point where like the talent's starting to get just a little bit diluted in the league because we've had two expansion teams come in here in recent yeah. memory, and that's all these extra roster spots you got to fill now. So we have seen more guys come up a little bit faster. And it I feel like it just kind of feels different because we have had recent drafts where more have come. But yeah, I don't know. It's it didn't surprise me that much, especially like you look at a guy like Will Smith, you know, insane caliber player, but just not ready for the NHL yet. Sure. We got a lot of guys that have a ton of potential, but just aren't quite there yet for the physical style of play up here. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, too. I just I thought it seemed low. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm ignorant. I'm sure, you know, Eddie from Edmonton will let me know that I'm a fucking dumbass, and that's understandable. Uh, well, and we got to consider the possibility I'm a dumbass, too, and there were like 15 <laughs> in the past few years. So. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? The number one pick usually shows up on opening night, but everybody else, you know, I feel like could be up in the air. But, I mean, Benson wasn't even top 10, so good for him for making the opening night roster on a playoff caliber he, team like Buffalo. I think if he was a little bit bigger, he would have been a much higher pick. We still got scouts that look at size above all else. And he's a smaller guy, but he is so sick and so skilled. I, I think his, his stature, much like Cole Caulfield or Alex DeBrinkett, those guys are awesome players, but they, since they're on the short side, you know, they're not, they weren't quite as highly sought after as some of the big boys up there. It's true. It is true. It's why guys like Cam Atkinson went so late. He's had a hell of an NHL career. So yeah. that's just one. Johnny Goudreau is undersized, too. Um, Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski's undersized. Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on with names. Uh, one name we talked about earlier is Austin Matthews. I want to hop down because, holy shit, is he firing out of the gate? Oh, Austin, yeah. Ma Austin Matthews opening out against Montreal. What a fucking game, by the way. I mean, Dude. Toronto Toronto finds itself down. You know, Montreal's putting pucks in the net. And you're just like, dude, what is up with this Leafs team? Once again, they can't defend, but they can sure score. And you know what? Austin Matthews, th this is what studs do. This is what the guy does. And Austin Matthews is that guy. We've, I think everybody knows that at this point. Goes out there, puts up a giant hat trick, including the fourth and fifth goal to tie it up. The Leafs win in a shootout, get an opening night win. That's 12 opening night goals now for Austin Matthews in his career. Mm -hmm. But he didn't stop there. Game two on Saturday night, he goes – to Minnesota to play the wild and he puts another hat trick the dude has six goals already yeah he scored all three of their goals in that wild game this guy is a man on a mission I just uh finished up a short little snippet on him actually in an article I was working on and 
you look at last season, he, he was fighting wrist issues all year. We didn't see the nasty release that we're used to seeing from him. I mean, it came around from time to time, but it wasn't like normal where we're used to seeing Matthews just drag and rip that puck every chance he gets. And now Connor McDavid, everyone said, oh my God, now he can score 65 goals or whatever. And Austin Matthews is coming back for that Rocket Richard, baby. I mean, he is he is on a mission. He is saying, I'm healthy. I just signed a new contract. Suck it, Connor. I'm the highest paid player in the league now. Like, I am coming for it. They got out of the first round last year. They want to go further. He said, I'm committing to Toronto for four more years after this one. Let's go. We're doing it. And I think the whole vibes around the Leafs are great right now. Uh, you Dude. have him doing that. You have Ryan Reeves coming in just immediately on opening night, him and the uh, fucking Wi-Fi go at it. Yeah. And it's I, I can't wait to watch them play again. We don't get to watch them play until like March, which sucks. But, you know, it, well. it is what it is. But the the whole team there in Toronto, they just seem to be clicking on a little bit of a different cylinder right now than years past. I mean, we're, we're used to seeing some slow starts in the leaves and then everyone wants to burn the whole place down and then they, you know, get it together and finish top three. But they're, they're looking pretty damn good this season from the get-go. They really are. And I'm going to run down a, a few stats here just because this is how high-flying their offense has been so far. Through three games, uh, Matthews has six goals, six points. Uh, Willie Nylander, man, big money year and three goals, three apples, six points, two, you know, two points a night. John ja, Tavares, their captain, you know, one tuck, five assists, six points. Klingberg, everybody was talking about what's Klingberg going to be like in Toronto. Well, he's averaging an assist a game right now. Mitch Marner's averaging an assist a game right now. And so is Morgan Riley. And then you got Cali Yarncrock down there with, with a goal and an assist too. So they already have, you know, half the, it feels like half the top two lines, a couple of D-men in there averaging a point a night, if not almost a point a night through three games, small sample size. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world, but you know, it's it's good to see this this Leafs team buzzing. There's a lot of hype around them, and you know, as far as Canadian teams go, I mean, a lot of people you know hate Leafs fans. They hate this. They hate that. I think that's more of a Canadian thing. As an American watching it, I love watching this offense hum, dude. Yeah, yeah, I I get it. Like a, a lot of people in the East as well, because you know the Toronto fans always come down and invade your barns, and you hear people talk and hype them up all the time, and then they end up not doing anything in the playoffs, but. Yeah, I I love watching this team play. I don't have any vendetta against the Leafs. Um, I'm I'm just really really excited to see what Matthews can do this season. I mean, I think he, him and Nylander both, like you mentioned, Nylander's in a contract year. Uh, he got some reps at center in the first couple of games. Looks like they got him back on the wing again now. But maybe they were just saying, hey, if this guy puts up these points at center ice, we're definitely not going to be able to afford him. We got to bump him back over. But it's uh, it, it's good to see John Klingberg also not be a liability. I got to throw that out there too because we we were kind of hard on him there in Minnesota. No, it's it's entirely fair, and I think the other thing too is uh, they have an American superstar on their team, which I think kind of gives us a little little smirk that all the Canadians have yeah. to sit there. All, all the suits in the lower bowl in Toronto, suck it, come at me at post grad Phil. Everybody's Dude, they're not watching the game. <laughs> no, everybody's been torching their fan base in the last week. Yeah. It's been kind of funny to listen to, but hey, dude, Toronto's buzzing right now. They're two one and zero. I like where they're going. But speaking of teams that are absolutely buzzing, I mean, I don't want to overreact through seven combined games, and I'm not going to. But holy shit, Colorado—they're winning some tight ones, but they're three and zero. And we got yeah. Vegas, Vegas, who's four and zero. And between those two teams, they look like they are on a crash course 
for a playoff battle royale come May. But they'll probably meet in May. So, oh, no. No, that's Central. And, no, they'll probably meet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right around Memorial Bay in the Western Conference Final, all, mm-hmm. if all goes to plan. But, you know, for Colorado, to me, it's been a mix. They won a 2-1 game, um, you know, the other day. But they also have put up some, you know, some numbers as well. And, you know, you look at that team top to bottom and, you know, everybody they brought in is producing. Everybody they brought in is putting up numbers. And they're playing as a collective unit that's pissed the fuck off. They got knocked out by the Seattle Kraken last year. And they're taking out everybody. For Vegas, for me, the scoring's been all over the place. They've done a good job of facilitating through everyone, you know, top to bottom. It's Aiden Hill, man. Yeah, he picked up right where he left off. People were starting to doubt, like, oh, well, you know, he's unproven, small sample size. This guy is the real deal. I mean, that's why they signed him. That's why he came in and was able to produce in the playoffs. That's why he had good underlining numbers in his last stops. It This is a very good goaltender, and he's the reason that they won that game against Seattle on opening night. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Vegas a little more here, but I, I think we should transition to that Seattle team after this because okay. they played both the teams we just talked about, and I got, I got some takes on them. But, sure. yeah, Aiden Hill's been fucking awesome. Uh, the Vegas defense is just so, so good. They've been oh playing together for a couple of years now, and they're just not only are they big and physical, but they're so smart with knowing where to be, knowing where to move the puck quickly. They're not the fastest in the league, but they move the puck so fast that it doesn't even matter. And as soon as you get it past your own blue line, they're retrieving it and dumping it right back in, or you know, starting to rush. It's it, you just can't get past them. They're a buzzsaw. It's uh, one of the things I like about Vegas too, Aaron. I'm looking at their numbers, and I was doing this before, you know, before we got on here. Uh, of their two, <laughs> two skaters that don't have a point this year are William Carrier and Keegan Colasar. Every other skater on this team has at least one point, all yeah. of them. And you go to the top, Chandler Stevenson, man, in his age 29 year, he's got two tucks, three apples, five points. You got Eichel and Carlson both with four. You got Nick Hag with three, Mark Stone with three. And then you just go down the list and everybody has two or one. Every single guy on this team is contributing on a night in and night out basis. The one thing I think is crazy too, by the way, you look at their their top, you know, their top of the top. Dude, Eichel is averaging nearly 21 minutes of ice time a night. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's finally back up to playing like hundred percent top line center minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm really happy for him. He, he was healthy last year. He won his cup, and now he's hungry for more. I mean, th- this kid was – I mean, everyone knew he wasn't going to be quite as good as Connor McDavid coming out, but it, he's been compared to McDavid for so long, and now he's finally showing that potential that kind of has him a little bit in that conversation. I, he's obviously not Connor. He hasn't done what Connor's done, but, like, the top of that draft class, those top two – Jack Eichel's no slouch, and we're finally seeing him healthy and on a good squad, in a good situation, able to go out and prove why he deserved to be taken that high in the draft and why he had all the hype and everything coming up out of college. I mean, it's it's awesome to see, it, especially with everything he had to deal with, with the injury and Buffalo and all that bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the other things, too, about this Vegas team that I really admire is – in every game, they get out to an early lead, right? And like we were watching that Kraken game. Well, I, we were watching it. You were talking on the phone, watching yeah. that cra- watching that Kraken game uh, on opening night, 
And it, it was ridiculous, right? Like the Kraken are crushing them in every metric to start the game. Aiden Hill is standing on his fucking head. And before you know it, it's two nothing, including essentially what's an own goal. I know it's not an own goal, but it's an own goal for, you know, for Seattle to put it in their own net. And it's two nothing in the blink of an eye. And you're just like, dude, this Vegas team, even when they don't know what they're doing, they know what they're doing. Yeah. It's, and, and that's, that kind of speaks to a problem that has been persistent for Seattle here to start the season. Uh, Vegas, they're resilient. They, they pounce on you. They kind of bend, but don't break the Seattle Kraken. Every game has looked like this for them. They are dominating their opponents and they are getting fucked by bad luck, bad shooting percentage. Can't capitalize on their chances, hot goalie, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm going to pull up their numbers here. We talked about their analytics last year a little bit, and they were good this year their scoring chance differential is even better. Right now, they're 11th in the league with a 54% high danger scoring chance differential. So like of all the high danger scoring chances in the game, Seattle's getting 54%, more than half. Last year, I think they were around 49. Uh, right now, they are absolutely dead last in the league with a 2.9% conversion rate on those chances. The next closest team is 4.3. It's New Jersey. Oh and this is this is a team that we talked about last year in the same situation. The New Jersey Devils were chanting to fire their coach. The sky was falling. Everything was bad. And I was like, you know what? Hold on a second. All the numbers are good. They're playing great. They can't fucking capitalize on their chances. That won't last. It's not sustainable. Their shooting luck is going to even out, and it's going to be all right. And then they just ripped off a million wins in a row, and – finished second in the Metro and beat the Rangers in seven. And now they're everyone's dark horse team for the cup. So yep. Seattle, I, I love the way they play watching them night to night is so frustrating because they're earning so many goals and just not able to finish on them. So that 2.9% is their conversion rate on high danger scoring chances. Their shooting percentage team shooting percentage. It's exactly the same 2.4%. That is comically low. I mean, I have never seen a team shooting percentage that low in my life. Of the 125 shots they've taken, they have scored three goals. And I mean, it's just like, what are you going to do at that point? So the, the only thing for me is like, if they get frustrated and start like abandoning their system, pushing a little too hard, gripping the sticks, whatever, get a little tight and lose that confidence, then it can start to unravel for them. And they played some really damn good teams here. I mean, Vegas, Colorado, uh, St. Louis, we said they were going to be terrible, but Jordan Bennington's been good this year too. It's it's really, really difficult when you're generating these chances of not getting rewarded. And, you know, you get fluky ones at the other end. Vegas scores on their first shot of the season after just surviving a bombardment. Mm -hmm. it, it's just the hockey gods are going to smile upon them if they keep doing this, but they can't lose faith. No, it's early on in the year too. Like everything evens out in the wash and it's a law of averages and all those, you know, cliches that you hear, um, get, get pucks in, get pucks on net, get pucks deep. And they're doing that. They're just not converting them. So they will convert. It will happen. They'll have an eight goal output on someone and they'll find their mojo and they'll be fine. So I, I agree with you on the Seattle Kraken. Uh, maybe they just need a giant fight to, uh, to spark them one night. And speaking of guys that know how to fight, I want to talk about a little drama for a second, Aaron. I'm going to talk right. about I'm going to talk about Ryan Reeves' comments on Corey Perry, aka the Worm. 
Uh, I paraphrased because I, you know, I didn't see the quote written down, but I, I took notes on the quote. And Ryan Reeves was quoted as saying, you know, like I said, paraphrasing, not a direct quote. I never really liked him, to be honest. We always seem to run into each other. I've never liked him since the first day I met him on the ice. He's a guy that acts tough. I want to ask you, there are guys in the league that act tough. There are guys in the league that are tough. And the distinction is key. For instance, a guy that is tough but doesn't act, you know, didn't act tough when he played, just was tough, was absolute fucking nails that comes to mind is Adam McQuaid. When he was in Boston, he was on those Boston teams that made deep runs. I believe he was on their cup team in 2011. You need a guy like that, a third D man that'll drop the gloves, you know, at any given moment and will, you know, just absolutely take you out to the woodshed and whoop your ass. But he also can play. Every team needs guys like that. Where you teeter the line is a guy like Tom Wilson. He plays dirty, but he also puts up numbers. So at the end of the day, people call him old school. Then you have guys like Corey Perry, who have all the talent in the world, and they like to just get under your skin. And they don't get under your skin and back it up, in my opinion. It's just dirty ways to get under your skin. And people say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And I understand it's a part of the game. Corey Perry, to me, though, I agree with what Ryan Reeves said. I Corey Perry pisses me off when I watch him play because he's just as likely to slew foot you as he is, you know, to go in there and score a goal or go in there and, you know, do something disruptive or, you know, shield the goaltender and pull a Sean Avery and allow your defenseman to rip a clapper on a power play to go, you know, th you know through the back of the net. So I want to get your thoughts on A versus B and then where you place Corey Perry. Dude, I... I could not be more on the opposite side of the spectrum than you on this. I know you okay. hate Corey Perry. I like I would hate to play against him because he does get under your skin. He does little, you know, gamesmanship. He'll like, you know, get you with the end of his stick every now and then. He's not out to injure people though. Like he's just out there to piss you off. And the only way he's gonna do that is if you fucking let him. It he's Brad Marchand, but a little bit tougher. Brad Marchand is the epitome of like rat of all rats. He does anything he can to do bad shit, but he's also been suspended for illegally checking people to the head and like hits that can actually injure people. Corey Perry doesn't do that stuff. Corey Perry will mix it up. He'll fuck with your goalie a little bit. He never gives up on pucks around the net. So it, even if he weighs the stick in the goalie's face, that shit's not against the rules, man. He's not touching it. it whatever you got to do to score goals in this league, it's fucking hard. And he won a fucking heart trophy, or was it a heart? Or I think he won a heart trophy. No, there a heart no, trophy or rocket? Yeah, like no, he won a heart. he's a super skilled, talented player. Not quite so much anymore because he's older, but he's still very skilled around the net. I mean, I I think this guy, he's the kind of guy you love to have on your team and you hate to play against because everyone who's ever played with him says he's like the best dude. He'll do anything for anyone. He he's a great leader. Like all that stuff. But when you see him going after your players and getting them pissed off and getting them off their games, then I can understand why people don't like him. But everywhere I've seen him play, no one's ever had a bad thing to say about him that was on his team. And he just plays a game until, and sometimes beyond the final whistle. And you got to be prepared for that on NHL advice. Cause there's a lot of fucking guys that do that. Yeah, no, there are. And a couple guys that come to mind for me too, just like, throwback names, if you will. They're not you know, necessarily in the league anymore or prevalent in the league anymore. But it reminds me of like a Patrick Hornquist or a Brandon Dubinsky. 
guys like yeah, that. Exactly. Yep. Ryan yeah. Kessler is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. Ryan Kessler is a good one. Yeah. Guys that are talented that can still go out and produce and like are big parts of their team, but part of their game is getting you off your game. And as long as they don't cross that line where they're licking people in the face and like targeting people's heads when they're facing the other way, I'm fine with it. As long as you're not out there to injure people or just do scumbag shit, I I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I can, I can agree with that, you know, to an extent. I do think he's definitely, he's a great player. I don't deny that, but to call him a fake tough guy, I mean, first of all, he's never going to, he wouldn't fight Revo in his prime. Revo is, is a different build, different beast. You know, that's the guy that Josh Anderson has to step up and fight. You know, Adam McQuaid would fight him. Corey Perry's not fighting that guy. So that's just my, my take on it. I don't think yeah. he's a fake, fake tough guy necessarily, but I do think he teeters the line of, are you actually tough or do you just like to piss people off and then duck out and let, you know, your, your, your fourth line handle the, handle the garbage. Exactly. And he's like, is for most of his career, he was a top line wing who needed to be on the ice and score goals. So, I mean, if, if push comes to shove and he's got somebody dropping the gloves against him, he's not just going to run away, but if he's in the middle of a scrum and, you know, you got one of his big enforcers on one side and your tough guy's trying to grab Corey Perry, the enforcer's going to come after you because you're going after a good player. And Corey Perry's going to go find somebody his own size. It's that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, it's it's not like Tom Wilson who's throwing headshots and then skating away from Ryan Reeves after he comes after him. It's true. And Cor- I'm looking at Corey Perry right now. He's gotten in his career, obviously. We we don't deny that. A lot more in recent years. He'd have a couple a year growing up, like 2010, one and eleven, two and twelve, couple and thirteen. In the last five years, it's been a lot more. And I think he, even he knows. And he does have the unfortunate distinction of being on the cup loser, like what, three consecutive years? But yeah, that's uh, tough. it's brutal. I mean, yeah, he has won a cup, but it is brutal. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day for Corey Perry, it's, you know, he has backed it up in his career. He has the one to drop the gloves, but I still think he teeters that line. But that's just me. Um, if you have a differing opinion on that, let us know at Beerly Hockey or go to the Beerly Sports Instagram page and uh, feel free to tag either myself or Aaron in that. And we'll be happy to uh, dispute you on any platform, but Twitter is obviously more fun for that. I am Last thing I'll say. Yeah. Is, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Give your tag. No, I thought I was, you're done. No, I was going to say, I said it once, but I am at postgrad film and he's at, at Aaron Kenny nine, I believe, or 19. Uh, yeah. Aaron underscore Kenny nine. Yeah. That's right. No. So we're, uh, we do this all the time, dude. The, the lag on the Skype a little bit, we get cutting each other off, but um, the, the last thing I'll say on Perry and Reeves, Ryan Reeves is always the kind of guy who's going to give a quote to the media. Like he, and that's why so many people love him. Like he's good for the game in that regard. He, he knows what he's there for. He's like WWE level showmanship. And I mean, uh, even on opening night after getting into it with Jack, I, I mean, he's out there like, yeah, he jumped me and like, he wasn't wrong. Jack, I just jumped him from behind them, pushed him over the net. Cause he knew he couldn't beat him like right one-on-one it's it'd be fucking close. So I do want to see those guys square off like recently with Marcus Foligno. Dude, that that fight with Felino in the second game of the season, the respect between those two dudes, oh, and, yeah. you know, just going out, squaring off, backing up, taking your shit off, then going at it. That's that's what you need to see. You don't need to see somebody jumping on somebody from behind or any of this stuff. But yeah, and they were barking at each other at the bench, Perry and Reeves too. So I think that's kind of what he was referring to with the fake tough guy thing. 
because Perry's talking all the shit on the bench, but then he's not looking for him out on the ice. So I, I do see where that's kind of some bullshit. Like if you're going to chirp and yell at some guy on the bench, if he comes to call, then, you know, you got to back it up a little bit in that regard. You absolutely do. I, you know, like, like I said, not my least favorite player in the league by a long shot. There are about 10 other guys I could list that I find just reprehensible behavior for, you know, in my opinion, but yeah. Uh, but before we move along to the next topic, we do have some winners from our pick'em, our initial pick'em. Want to give a shout out uh, at Br- Brady G31 at G31 Brady. Congratulations on getting all three of the picks right. We also have Queso at Queso underscore Gaming 69. That's a hell of a tag. That's, um, that's an old school Xbox gamer tag right there. Yeah, that's beautiful right there, boys. And then we also want to give a shout out to Devo or Devo, I'm probably Devo at Devo underscore DZ. He's got a big Philadelphia Flyers banner on there in the background. So big Flyers guy. Good for you. Congrats on the opening night win. Um, so those are our three winners of the pickup. We'll do a pick before every uh you know, every episode we record on Wednesday nights, mostly because pretty easy night in the NHL for us to record only usually a handful of games on Wednesday. So it's not like we're watching everything back and forth and uh you know screaming in the middle of this about something happening. So um, congratulations to our Pick'em winners. We will let you know uh, when Beerly lets us know what the prizes are. So it's on you, Trev. When you're editing this, let us know what we can give away. Um, back to the regular scheduled content, though. Uh, let's hop down. A little bit of sad news out of the NHL. Kirby Doc, man, got traded over to Montreal from Chicago. So one rebuild to the other. Uh, you know, they're trying to make room for other pieces, blah, 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 doing a bunch of shit in, you know, in Chicago and in Montreal. And he... Uh, unfortunately, tore his ACL and his MCL, so he'll be out for the season. Um, all I can really hope for is that he comes back next year fully healthy because this dude, the dude's a beast. He, he's yeah. a young, he's a young budding stud in the league. I kind of put him at a level of like if he plays up to his top level performance, like what I think he's capable of doing, and it may not be in Montreal. I don't know where it's going to be. This dude might play for four teams before he ever hits his stride, but. I think he could easily produce at a level that is comparable to, uh, you know, there's a few guys that really come to mind for me, but like, 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 like a stall brother. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of thinking almost like Logan Couture level, like just yeah, reliable good. second line center, uh, guy who does a lot of things really well and can have a big game every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he did look decent in Montreal when he was playing last year uh 38 points in 58 games i mean that's that's solid production from a guy on your second line and uh, like you said though it's this is just really sad news man because he's at that stage of his career where he's these are vital development years where he needs to be turning up a notch and having a brutal injury like that man that's going to be a long tough recovery Uh, honestly with the way this kid was trending it might be better in the long run for montreal because he'll get a better draft pick but it's it's really sad for him, man. I, I I just hope all the best to him. I mean, technology and medicine's come a long way, so I'm sure they'll be able to do a lot more with what used to be a career-threatening injury almost. And, I, yeah, hopefully just a speedy recovery and he comes back way stronger next year. Um, I, I've always liked this kid's game. He's got a lot of size. He plays with a lot of pace. And he's, he just seems like a good dude from the interviews I've heard. Ryan Johansson. Okay, I can see Ryan Johansson. That's that's not bad production comp from, from a production standpoint. So, well, in size too, 
They're both yeah. tall, lankier bodies. You know, if you can put up 70 to 80, 80 points in a great year, 65 to 70 in a normal average season, uh, I think that would be considered uh, a, a very, very strong career for Kirby Doc. So we are wishing him the best uh, in his recovery, and we're looking forward to him being back on the ice at some point next season. It may not be beginning of the year, but who knows, maybe he helps Montreal make a little bit of a push next year, and we'll see them fight for one of those wild card spots. Um, let's hop down to another fun uh, fun stat on a more positive note. Leon Dreisaitl became the all-time Edmonton power play goal leader uh, the other night. And there was another goal in that game that we'll talk about, but we're going to talk about Leon Dreisaitl. That's 127 career power play goals for Leon yeah. Dreisaitl. Holy shit. They lean so fucking heavily on that power play, dude. Like, can you imagine how bad this team would be if their power play wasn't that good? I mean, they're, they wouldn't be like a bottom feeder by any means, but it's insane how much of their production comes from that power play and from Dreisaitl specifically. And, I mean, th- this guy gets overshadowed by McDavid a lot. It's it's kind of like a Malkin Crosby situation, but he is just so nasty. I mean, the way he can find areas of the net from just impossible angles, he plays with that boat oar of a fucking stick. The thing's straight flat and 15 feet wide on the blade. It Like, he is just... It, he's a unicorn of a player, man. And I, I love watching this guy do things in Edmonton. It's nice to see that power play get going again because they were not as effective as they had been last season in the openers against Vancouver. And they they just feasted on Nashville, dude. They Nashville was on the bad end of a pissed-off Edmonton team there. I wanted to talk about, too, the reason I put this stat up there is I wanted to make Dreisaitl a talking piece tonight because, first of all, Jim Matheson, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a soapbox here, and then you can try more after, afterwards, Aaron. I understand the media has a has a job to do. They have deadlines to hit. They're going to ask tough questions. As someone who studied journalism in college, granted, I went the advertising public relations route, and I'm an ad man now, so I don't, I don't have to ask these questions to anybody. I get that you have a job to do. We're both friends with guys like Jeff, Jeff Sabota, who has to ask tough questions to the players that he spends a lot of time with. It's not an easy job. They have a job to do. I want to preface and start off by saying that. They just got shit pumped 8-1. Dreisaitl was sitting up there fielding your questions. I don't know if you want him to put a fucking smile on, but you're doing your job for the fan base to get news to information. His job is to make the fan base happy with his play. Your common denominator is the fan base. He let the fan base down, and they played a shit game. He knows all of that going into the interview. He's not happy with the performance, so he's giving short, snippy answers. Okay, I know it's tough to write a piece on that, but fluff it up with the beautiful magic of words and say that I clearly upset Leon Dreisaitl was short with the media. I think that's reasonable. Anybody who watched the interview you know, would, would agree with that. They move on. Jim Matheson asked him, why are you pissy with me? Why are you pissy in general? Jim, why the fuck do you think he's pissy with you? He's pissy because they just got shit pumped 8-1. And any player would be upset after that. And Leon Dreisaitl, number one, he's German. So he's going to be a little more, you know, German personality is a little more close to the, you know, cards to the vest, if you will. He's blunt. He's a blunt guy. That's There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, and I'm not trying to play on stereotypes, but Leon Dreisaitl kind of fits it with his personality. Yeah. It's very, it's very cards to the vest. And it's very much so, man, a few words. This is what I think, you know. I don't want to be, I don't have to be the center of attention. I'm here to play hockey and I know I'm good at it. And that's fine. 
there's I love the way he approaches the game in his life. And it's the way he goes about his business. What I want to say is guys like Jim Matheson are why players want to get the fuck out of Canada. It's why they don't want to sign there. It's why it's, none of your teams have won a cup in 30 years. It's a microcosm. Everything they do is put under a microscope. A, you know, a defenseman lets up a bad goal and the Leafs lose 3-2 or the Oilers lose 3-2 because, you know, some guy pinched when he shouldn't have or whatever. But the, they, they'd won three games in a row and he had played out of his mind. It was plus seven and, you know, had a goal and two assists in those three games. But we're only going to focus on the one bad thing. And we're not going to sing his praises. Where when you come to the States, unless you're in a New York or a Boston, you're not dealing with 800 guys asking you why you're pissy after you lose. They know why you're pissy after you lost. They might say something along the lines of, hey, man, can we get a little bit, can you extrapolate on that point a little bit? Can you give us a little more of an answer? Jim Matheson just took a pissed off approach at him. So yeah. if you run into a wasp's nest, are you going to smack it with a stick? No, I'm going to go inside and get the raid, spray the hell out of it. And then once it calms down, then I'll knock it down. Jim Matheson just said, fuck that and hit it with a stick. All right. So uh, my key takeaway here, Phil wants to go spray Leon Dreisaitl with some raid before interviewing him. <laughs> Offer him a cold beer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, – I, I totally agree with you here, man. I mean, this this is a situation of, like, you're in a huge hockey market and you're trying to get a reaction out of a player – and give yourself a little bit of props for being a story. You're trying to become the yeah. story here by with a comment like that. Like, talk to the guy with respect. He's a human being. Like, it, this to me feels like it's the same vein as these fucking reporters that want to bitch about teams that don't want them to step on their logos in the locker room. Like, yeah. you're you're going into their place of employment. Like, I get it. You're doing your job in there, but like, that's their one area where they call the shots it, like out on the ice is a neutral field when they're in their locker room like they make the fucking rules you're going into their space follow the rules don't step on the logo don't get pissed when they ask you not to like it it's the same thing it's like oh well he needs to cater to me and give me stuff for my story when he just had a bad day at work it's like no dude have a little bit of empathy like you're just you're gonna get way better answers out of this guy if you show him respect and toss him a couple softballs in there before hitting him with the hard ones. It like I, I just yeah, I, I don't get the thought process. But he achieved his goal because you and I are now talking about Jim Matheson when otherwise he wouldn't have been a fucking stain we'd wipe our feet on. No, so no, exactly. He got exactly what he wanted. If Jim Matheson would like to come on this podcast and uh discuss that with us, we'd love to have him on. So that's what I throw yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, we're taking your tactics, Jim. Fuck you, come defend yourself. <laughs> I love it. Um, there's another team I want to talk about because Edmonton, we we all know where they're going to be, and they've they've stormed back. Uh, oh, I did want to talk about that McDavid goal last night. Holy mother of Spinorama! That that was ridiculous. I I'm going to be honest, Phil. I did not see that one. I was so okay. deep in all these other games. Once I saw how far that one got away, I was like, you know what? It, yeah, Edmund, it's the Edmonton show in Nashville. Let's go watch some games that are close. So I have not had a chance to catch up on that. At, uh, Connor McDavid got spun around and the puck somehow ended up, I mean, whether it was intentional or not, who cares? Puck ended up on his stick, put it in the back of the net. And I was just sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me, Connor? What can you not do? Yeah, you know? he, he adds something else to his toolbox every year, man. It's it's wild watching what he'll do next. Yeah. I just wanted to give that goal a shout out because it was immaculate. Just yeah, per perfect. Um, another thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to get into a little divisional breakdown, mostly just, you know, 
teams we think are overachieving, maybe a team we think is underachieving. And obviously the point differential is not too vast right now. Um, but that being said, uh, I want to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes for a minute because, one, who are these guys scoring goals? Two, everybody, when you see a Hurricanes game, if, if you are a gambler where it's legal in your state, you go, holy shit, you know, Hurricanes game, we're going to hammer the under on this one. It's going to be a 3-1 grind-out game. No. They are putting up – I mean, they're hitting the over almost by themselves every night. And last night's game, Aaron, you were watching a ridiculous comeback display of offensive ability that we didn't know Rod Brindamore had instilled in these guys. Yeah, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, shit, the Sharks aren't getting pumped right now? Like, let's go. Sharks are up 3-2 in the third period. And Carolina just says, I don't think so, boys. Just pounds them. Ended up winning the game. The final score was like six to three or seven to three. I think. I mean, it. They just roast. It was a goal every two minutes in the third period from that point on. And Mackenzie Blackwood, who had been doing a hell of a job of holding the fort. I mean, he had had two or three really, really good games in a row where he was the only reason the Sharks were in that game. He just he the dam broke, man. It, everything was going in at that point. He they'd broken him much like the Ducks break John Gibson every year. Which, speaking of the Ducks, who the hell had them beating the Hurricanes the other night? Like, no one. you're Carolina going to Anaheim, and it's just like, all right, yeah, this is going to be a cupcake. And the Ducks are just like, I don't think so, boys. This is our one big win of the year. Then we're going back to the basement. Yeah, the, pretty uh, much. The Hurricanes also, they, they have just a hysterical stat here, man. I got to pull this thing up. They're, <laughs> so they have played the most shorthanded minutes of any team in the league and scored the most shorthanded goals. They've been down a man 19 separate times this year and have scored on four of those times. And they've only allowed four power play goals. Like they have an even goal differential while shorthanded, not because they're killing everything off, but because they're using it to create offense. I mean, they're just, this team is an absolute clown show right now in the best way. Uh, they've also got the league leader in shooting percentage with Tavo Teravainen cranking them in at an 80% rate. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Uh, part of that is early the season lack of shot volume. But he's got four goals on five shots. So, you know, get that guy the puck while he's hot. Seattle yeah, can is, use a little bit of that magic. That is some efficiency right there. Um, yeah, I mean, the Canes will probably even back out and regress to the mean in terms of, you know, the scores of their games because they do have an identity. But right now, that identity is out the window. They're like a kid that just went to college that was, like, sheltered growing up. And they're like, fuck it, I'm going to party my ass off. That's what they're playing like right now. Yeah. So, good well, for them. they listened all offseason about how they couldn't score in the playoffs. So, maybe now they're like, fuck it, let's just go pump a bunch of goals in while the games don't really mean as much. It's true. Yeah, they're having fun early so they can lock it all down late. That seems yeah, like I a sound. See that seems like a sound strategy for them. Um, let's hop over to the division, shall we? Uh, one team has only played two games, but they are, and I believe there's uh, of the undefeated teams, they are one of three. The one we didn't discuss, the Boston Bruins, they're two and out, sitting atop the Atlantic Division. You got Ottawa right there, man. Ottawa's been sneaky at two one and zero. Then you have Detroit at two one and zero. Toronto at two one and zero. Montreal at one one one. Tampa Bay, where we kind of thought they might be given the lack of Vasilevsky, they are one, two, and one. Florida's one and two, and Buffalo is one and two. Who would you say in the Atlantic Division, Aaron, uh, up to this point, has been the most surprising and then the most disappointing? 
Um, I'm first of all going to go with the most vanilla. Uh, Boston, you're yeah, you're two and zero. You played two games. They they haven't looked as bad as I thought they would without Patrice Bergeron. But you've also played Chicago and Nashville, so get a little bit bigger sample size against some tougher teams before you start. You know, throwing your party over there. Oh, you know what? I lied. By the way, the Islanders are two and zero. I should have said that as well. That's all. Oh me. God, that's okay. So we got two of the most vanilla of all the vanilla. Um, I, I've been impressed with Detroit, dude. I I was not high on them to begin the season. I had them finishing very low in this division. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a shame Nate's not here to dance on my grave on this, but the way they've played. It's like a totally well, they are a totally different team. The guys they brought in, I thought a lot of them were overpayments. Uh, they have not looked bad at all. They play with a ton of pace, they're cohesive units instead of just one or two guys trying to do something on their own every night, like they were last year. Alex DeBrinkett has ripped it up playing with Dylan Largan. He's got four yeah. goals and an assist already, or three goals, two assists, I believe. Yeah, no, Brady Kachuk has four goals and an assist. Uh, Ottawa's also impressed me, but. As far as that division, man, I I can't I can't say that anyone's really disappointed me so far. I mean, Buffalo, you were, you lost your first two games, but then you had a big win, and you know you got you got time to figure things out. Uh, that whole division is looking very very good to me right now. Yeah, uh, I like Detroit too. <clears throat> the ghost of Ghost Bear, Shane Gostas Bear, three yeah, points already. Yeah, he's been nasty. He's been yeah. nasty up there. He has been nasty up there. So. I agree in the Atlantic. The only team I agree with you on Detroit. I think Ottawa has been impressive. I thought Ottawa would be good this year. I didn't know how good they've looked incredible so far. Um, disappointing for me a little bit is Tampa. They won opening night against Nashville and it's just been fought on their face ever since, but we kind of expected it. So they'll, yeah, the I think they were, they were without Stamkos for one of those games too, weren't they? So yeah, down Stamkos and Vasilevsky. I'm, I'll be, I'll be concerned if they're bad after those guys come back. Sure. I definitely understand that one. Um, let's hop down to the Metropolitan so far. Uh, the Hurricanes have played four games. They're 3-1-0, six points. Uh, the Islanders, like I said, 2-0. Uh, they did uh, win a 1-0 game, so eat shit, Lou Lamarilla. Fuck you. Um, Pittsburgh is 2-1-0. Philly's 2-1-0. The Rangers are 2-1-0. The New Jersey Devils are 1-1-1. Washington is 1-1. And the Columbus Blue Jackets are 1-2. Uh, I'll go first on this one. The team I'm impressed with out of the game, uh, here is Philadelphia. I mean, didn't expect much out of them. And yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into their their game against Vancouver. Uh, we, we can talk about that now. They, they beat the Blue Jackets opening night. They, they played well. You know, Columbus made some egregious errors and, you know, Sillinger hit the bar uh, early on in that game. That would have made it a little more interesting. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, they made plays that it mattered. They were up, you know, two, two, one at the end of one. And carry that on, and then you know Cam Atkinson burying his old team. Uh, give me good for Cam. Love, love the guy. And you know they went out yesterday, and in a 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Vancouver time game, took care Outrageous. of this. Yeah, just I don't know what the reasoning was. I don't care what the reasoning was. They went out and beat Vancouver in a game that if you didn't take the under in that one, shame on you. Uh, early start on a Tuesday night, uh, they beat Vancouver two nothing. Rick Tockett back in the building made a name for himself playing in Philadelphia. Um, they really gave it to their, you know, their old, their old friends. So, um, yeah. First of all, fuck that start time. Play the game at seven or seven thirty, like you always do. I don't know why they yeah, moved that like, shit up. Made no sense. Yeah. Um, it, go ahead. I was gonna say Philadelphia has been the team that's impressed me the most. 
Um, I guess so far, I mean, it's only three games, but I'm impressed by where they are. Uh, the team I'm most disappointed with has to be New Jersey, man. One, one, and one. Like, I know one of those is, you know, OTL, but I don't know. I thought they'd be a little better than this. I think Jack Hughes is incredible, but I don't know. They, they seem to little, a little bit of a slow start out of the gate. Yeah, I, I thought they'd have a little bit of growing pains with their defense. They brought up some young guys. They lost big pieces in uh, Graves and Severson. I'm not concerned about them. They're they're still playing well. I mean, they're pushing the pace. Uh, similar to Seattle, like I was saying, like their shooting percentage is also very low this season. Mm-hmm. So that'll even itself out. It's going to be just like last year. They're, they'll get it figured out. I, I don't know that they'll be quite as good as they were at the end of last season, but it, they very well could be with growth from those young kids. And I do like the addition of Tyler Toffoli, but I, I'm not concerned at all about them. Uh, touching on Philly, though, last year they were – they're actually worse this year than they were last year. I mean, they were supposed to be bad last year, and they were 3-0 and out of the gate, 5-2 uh, and two through seven games. So uh, this is what they do under torts. They come out. They're all in way better shape than the rest of the league because he runs their asses off in training camp. They're ready to go, and then eventually everyone else gets rolling. The talent level starts to pick up around the league. They tighten up. They're on the to the Flyers that they're going to be a tough team to play against, and Philly's success starts to dwindle just because the roster is not quite there yet. So yeah, um, I, I love what they're doing. I, I love that they're playing hard. And getting Atkinson and Couturier back had to be a big shot in the arm for them after they both missed all of last year. So yeah. – yeah, good for them. Uh, sucked being in the arena on opening night for the Jackets. Uh, drank too many beers there because of that. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, Washington is the one for me that I, I want to see a little bit more out of. Uh, you do have some guys that were out for a lot of the season last year. You're actually healthy now to start. Alex Ovechkin, he is not shooting the puck at nearly the same rate that he was last season. I, yeah. I haven't even looked at the score of his game right now. I'm getting ready to at the moment, and I am really hoping that he's done something. But he has not been the OV we know and love since the start of the year. I mean, he normally starts this season off hot as hell. He's had a big offseason. He's, he's ready to go. He usually rips like four or five goals out of the gate in the first few games. And this season, he just hasn't done that much. So uh, let's see here. Right now, the Capitals are down 5-1 to the Senators. Uh, Alex Ovechkin has not scored. So the trend continues in Washington. That's brutal. That's brutal right now down in Washington. Let's go to the Central Division, shall we? Uh, Colorado, 3-0. Bingo, with kind of where we thought they were. Um, Minnesota, 2-1-0. Chicago, 2-2-0. Dallas, 1-0-1. St. Louis, 1-0-1. Winnipeg, 1-2. Arizona, 1-2. And Nashville, 1-3. I'm just going to say it. Nothing in this division surprises me right now other than Chicago being two and two. Good for them. Um, that's like yeah, the only I'm surprise. what they've done. Yeah. I don't really have, uh, you know, a disappointment in this division because it's kind of shaping up. Like I said, that's not Chicago. It just bumps everybody else down a little bit. I mean, they've played two more games in Dallas and St. Louis. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm just going to give a positive to Chicago. We've touched on them quite a bit tonight. But, you know, I just think Chicago uh, is the only, you know, positive in this group and there is no negative yeah they uh the cool thing with them too we talked about how Connor Bedard was going to be the only guy doing anything on that team he's only done a couple of things so far this year as far as the score sheet I mean he's got three points he's you know he's out there producing a little bit but the rest of the team is really playing well as a whole unit and they're getting goals from all over the place and I'm really 
impressed with their fourth line of uh, Perry Felino and Tyler Pitlick, I believe. Mm-hmm. And or no, it's Jason Dickinson centering those guys, and okay. they're just uh, that's just a line that they are very responsible. They pressure you in their end and in your end, and they've been a veteran presence that they can kind of lean on a little bit when these young kids are trying to find their footing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think Taylor Hall is going to be out for a minute, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And and he wasn't, it's not like he was lighting it up either, but also Dallas dude, that game against Vegas last night, Dallas is a wagon, just like we all predicted. I mean, that, that thing went to a shootout, but the whole game was just back and forth. It was a tight playoff style game. 2-2 2-2 uh, with the teams trading goals in the third period. And it, it just, it was a treat to watch, man. That, that was a fun one last night. It was. I had a blast. Watch, you know, I tried to stay up as late as I could. I fell asleep watching that game. But, you know, it was an absolute dandy. Uh, I love when we get like a big time matchup earlier in the year. And then, you know, those teams play. And then you'll see them match up again at like mid-March. And it's funny yeah. to go back and look what they did in October versus how they play in March. Um, let's go to the Pacific, shall we? We already talked about Vegas. They're 4-0. Vancouver, 2-1-0. The Los Angeles Kings are 1-1-1. Calgary is 1-1-1. Anaheim is 1-1. Edmonton, 1-2-0. San Jose, 0-2-1. Seattle, 0-3-1. Uh, in this division, Vancouver has been the pleasant surprise for me. Um, you know, they're playing well. They're buzzing. Brock Besser with a little opening night hattie for him uh, in that drubbing of Edmonton that we talked about earlier. Uh, Quinn Hughes looking like a phenomenal captain choice so far. And the disappointment for me, I guess, would have to be Edmonton at one and two. But, I mean, they'll they'll be fine at the end of the day. Um, the, I, I want to talk about the Kings a little bit, too. It was kind of fun yeah. last night. You know, like the Kings lose opening night to, <clears throat> to Colorado. And we're like, all right, you know, it's about right. Colorado is like one of the two teams in the division that are, I say, the only team in the division that's exponentially better than them. But you could argue Edmonton is, too. Um, last night was funny. You and I were texting. I'm like, a oh, Pierre-Luc Dubois goal imminent against Winnipeg. And yeah. sure enough, Barry's one. First of the season, and he looked like dog shit in the first two games. It's, it's the same old P.L. Dubois. I, I thought maybe he'd be a little bit more motivated now that he's finally got a big-ticket contract long-term in a place where he actually wants to be, at least for now. But he – all he's done is either just stand in front of the net to be traffic or throw dirty knee on knee collisions. And then last night in Winnipeg, he gets up for it, goes back to the team that he just left and pots one on the power play. He was mixing it up in scrums. He was using his size to power through people. I mean, he, he was the presence that we're used to seeing when he wants to play. So hopefully the Kings get more of that from him because they gave up a fucking lot. Uh, Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo and Rasmus Kupari, all good young depth forwards who are growing into their own on team-friendly contracts. They've all found the score sheet in Winnipeg so far this year. I mean, it's, if this is all they're going to get from Dubois, you know, a good performance once every three games, then I'm going to call them the early losers of that trade. But it is still very early. He's adjusting to a new system, so I'm not going to bury him just yet. But I want to see more from him, more of what we saw last night. Uh, the next yeah. thing... We did not talk about that Edmonton. We mentioned it very briefly, but I this is what I came here for tonight. The Vancouver Canucks and the two-game home-and-home opener against Edmonton. I, I am just blown away by how hard this Vancouver team played. It wasn't like what we've seen last couple of years when they have a big win. 
they go out and they are just dogs on bones pressuring the puck everywhere. They're not relying only on the power play. They're not getting crazy shooting percentage or, you know, fluky plays. They have just dominated possession in both of those games against Edmonton. Now, Edmonton looked a lot better in the second game at home, and part of that's getting Matias Ekholm back. They missed him sorely in that first game. Their defense is dog shit without him. They they have a couple guys on there that can score, but nobody on that blue line can defend other than Ekholm. So getting him back is huge. But Vancouver, man, they just it, – it was a hell of an opening weekend for them. Uh, you have Quinn Hughes getting the captaincy. They had an awesome ceremony for him before the game. Uh, they brought out, uh, I believe, four former captains, including Trevor Linden and uh, Dan- or Henrik Sedin, and they literally yeah. handed him the C. They like took his jersey with no C on it and gave him a jersey with the captaincy. Dude, so that was he cool. skated out with the A, and I'm like, what the hell? Or, yeah, yeah, with the A. Yeah, so I thought that was really awesome. They like literally passed it over to him. Uh, he goes out. He has three assists in that game, but then Brock Besser stole the show with those four goals. I mean, awesome to see him get a nice performance to open the season like that. He's had a couple of tough years with injury, uh, the loss of his father, and just like the fan base getting on him for not being some crazy superstar like they thought he was going to be. I'm yeah. really happy for him. And uh, just this Vancouver team. Oh, and Thatcher Dimko. The guy has the flu, throws up in his mask in the third period, which finally forces the coaching staff to be like, dude, you have to come out of the game. But he was lights out in that opening night game. And he was mm-hmm. so good in Philly, too, when half of his team was still thinking they were taking their free, their pregame nap. Uh, yeah. Philly jumped them early. The The start time was just like, it, who the fuck came up with that? And then that morning, Rick Tockett had run a really hard practice with him. So I don't know if he even knew when the start time was because they looked like they were kind of gassed there. But they then battled back and turned it up in the third period. They dominated possession. Then they just couldn't beat Carter Hart. So I'm I'm expecting big things out of this team. I picked them to finish third in the division, or no, I picked them to finish fourth in the division behind LA and Edmonton preseason. So mm-hmm. I, I'm expecting them to follow through with that, maybe even finish higher. I mean, it's they're looking very good out of the gate. They yeah, they they are an absolute wagon right now, and I you know like I feel bad for anybody going up against them because I mean if you get a combination of Thatcher Demko and that offense buzzing, anything is possible for that Vancouver team right now. And, and not just the offense, dude. The thing for me is, like, the way they play away from the puck, that was always their problem. They could always score. They could always get you on the power play. They, they could catch you if you're sleeping a little bit. But this year, they're, like, they're playing almost like Carolina in some games. I mean, they're, like, all over you, not giving you any space. You can't break the puck out because they're just pressure and pressure and pressure and in the right spot. They're tight defensively. They're – they're just out skating and out working teams, which we've never seen from this Canucks squad before. Yeah, Rick Tockett's gotten them, got them playing some kind of way. He really yep. does. And it's it's refreshing to see it. I'm sure the Vancouver fan base is elated up there. I'm sure Isha can uh, can attest to that. Shout out to our boys at the Soda Pod. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on that before we wrap this up? I do. I, I think we laid it all out here. That that Vancouver thing is what got me going for the night. I'm glad we saved it to the end, kept the energy yeah. level a little higher. Um, uh, we'll hopefully have Nate back next week, and uh, we're we're gonna be pounding out some solid episodes coming up here. I, I'm looking forward to watching some more hockey. Absolutely. Uh, before we uh, we end this, Aaron, my final thought is not really a final thought. It's more of an announcement, folks. Next Tuesday night, every single team is playing. The first game starts at six o'clock, and they Christ go on- Almighty again. 
it's six o'clock and then well yeah then the anaheim ducks go to columbus and play at 3 30 anaheim time and then starting at 6 40 i think it's 6 6 30 6 45 7 7 15 7 30 7 45 8 o'clock and the last game puck drops at 11 o'clock at night eastern time in vegas eight o'clock their time that's going to be the tuesday of all tuesdays so i'm putting it out there to the listeners if you stay to the end let us know one what games you're most looking forward to on Tuesday and that absolute gong show. Everything's on ESPN plus. So enjoy <clears throat> number two, send us your craziest parlays. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't wait to throw together a fucking 16 legger on that one. It's going to be unbelievable next, uh, next weekend or next Tuesday. I mean, so if you are in a market that uh, has legalized sports gambling, uh, please let us know what uh, your parlay is going to be. If you're going to do a goal scorer, Maybe just a bunch of over-unders, or if you're going to fuck around and take pucker money lines, you know? Who knows? Maybe do a combination of all of them. Why not? Go for broke. You can make $100,000 in one night if you are so up to the task. And uh, let us know what you're drinking while you watch all those games. Because next Tuesday, that's like Christmas to us hockey fans, boys. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, I do have one final thought now that you brought that up. Staggered start times. Thank the Lord. You're not going to have five games on at once, all going to intermission at the same time. They've got them staggered. So that that is one thing they did right here. It's funny, too, because we're so used to, you know, we're accustomed to as sports fans, right? Like, I think that's what makes college football amazing. And the NFL kind of, the NFL does a decent job of, like, different games go at different speeds. So, like, you do kind of get a somewhat of a staggered halftime, but generally most games will be at half for at least five to seven minutes at the same time. But that's enough for you know, a bathroom break, a beer run, you know, go rip a dart outside, whatever you do. There's, Watch there's, the halftime show, see the highlights from the games you don't get. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a little bit of staggered time. If you're watching on Red Zone, you'll go back to a game pretty quickly. In hockey, it's like if they all puck drop at seven, like they did last night, every single one, which was brutal, they all go to intermission within two minutes of each other. Then it's like 18 minutes of nothing. Yeah, they, they do. They just shoot themselves in the foot. Okay, one final, final thought, and then I swear I'm done. Uh, this this reminds me, speaking of the NHL's incompetence, uh, so no staggered start times usually. Also, have you tried to use the NHL app since they updated it? Oh, God, dude, it's you so have, bad. So there's no player box scores. You can't see anyone's stats. You can only see team stats. On the homepage there, you have no idea if anything's accurate. I mean, half the games will show, like, times that – aren't accurate like it'll say it's in the first period when it's actually in the third the score will be wrong you only see the goal scores no assist men and it's just it, it's an absolute nightmare so it's a, it's I, a gong show. I don't know why they keep trying to fix what's not broken but they they somehow do it's just it, it's par for the course at this point what do we expect gross incompetence uh in the nhl's uh brass go hand in hand yeah no doubt yeah, they do. They do. It's unfortunate, but what are you going to do about it? So yep. that'll wrap. That'll wrap up this episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast for Aaron Kenny. I'm Phil Razor saying, Barely Hockey pairs well with Bruce. Hello, broadcast boys. <laughs>